Hey guys, welcome back to Voyage to First Vintage. Um, this is our first interview episode. We, Numero uno. That's that's Spanish for, for those of you like Danielle who don't know foreign languages. <laughs> you don't know four languages? Foreign. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Your sniffles over there yeah. is making it hard for me to understand As you. As a coworker said the other day, I've got the plague. Um, <laughs> you do. Hopefully it's not the coronavirus. I'm currently sitting in the next house over from you. Yeah. There's a lot of cables, a lot of length of cables <laughs> here. Um, but anyway, back to business. Uh, this is our first interview episode. So Danielle and I sat down with Dave Walker at Tresori Vineyards uh, to try and pick his brain and learn as much useful information as we could and get um, a deeper insight to the behind-the-scenes action at a tasting room and winery. Mm -hmm. um, and when we say that this is our very first interview, it shows, guys. Yeah, we, we don't have much practice. This is not anything we've done a lot of. So we're we're learning, and I feel like with time we're getting better. I think so. I mean, at this point, you guys obviously haven't heard any of our other interviews yet, but we've recorded a couple more, and I feel like each one we're getting a little bit better, and that'll make for better content for you guys. So that's really exciting. Um, however, Dave did really help us out. He's a very um, insightful person with lots of good information. Yeah. So he really kind of gave us a hand up or a leg up in this process yeah. by providing us with a lot of interesting information, lots of good stories, lots of good um, details and things to think about, um, despite the fact that we were kind of floundering a bit. So we want to say thanks to Dave for, for letting us talk to him. Thank um, you, Dave. And for really helping us out, um, despite the fact that we... Suck. Yeah. Well, we might not suck, but we just weren't very, very prepared. No, we, we didn't suck. really know what we were getting into. We um, definitely suck. So enough of us blabbering on and on and on. Uh, we'll jump in with Dave Walker telling us a little bit about Tresori Vineyards. So here we go. Hold on to your butts, people. Just a little about Tresori, kind of like what I maybe have told you before, if that's good. Mm -hmm. um, just a very small winery, uh, 700 cases total production a year. So the wine is only sold in-house, and it's small enough I can keep it where I'm the only one working here. But um, just the owners have turned me over a very nice gem. You may have yeah. noticed the building is very large for this small of a winery. Um, so this used to be a hazelnut roastery that sat down near the Allison Inn and Spa. Yeah, right where we are currently living. Yeah. <laughs> are you, what lane or what or road are you on? It's right, right over by the middle school there. Oh, okay. This was actually on Henry Lane, just a little oh, yeah. further over, okay. a little west of there, I should say, because this used to belong to Henry Wilhoit. So, okay. so but it's got right. some good history. There's it in the mid-70s going up the first time, and you can see a hazelnut orchard or filbert orchard behind it. <laughs> So pre-existing building, pre-existing size is how I got lucky enough to have this nice space in here. 
Yeah. And so you're the only one that runs the tasting room as well? Sure. So we have, because I'll say I'm the only one that works here to client customers, guests that come in and they'll be like, and it's like, no, no, not the winemaking, not the vineyard management. I don't have a cape. Um, but, you know, I, um, but, you know, no, the tasting room aspect, yeah. the sales part of it, I guess you would say is, yeah. you know, it's nice enough. It's small enough. One person can still do it. Yeah. So what does a, a normal day here at Tresori look like for you? That's a good question. Normal. Um, I'm going to call a normal day a, um, say, Friday or weekend day in, you know, near summer, in summer, or right after summer. And it's pretty much after about 11.30. Um, it's, you know, sometimes I know what's coming in. It'll be scheduled tour companies or, you know, people making appointments because they want a lunch table reserved or something. Okay. Yeah. But, of course, since I'm not an appointment winery, most of it is just luck of the draw. I kind of wait. But um, now in our fifth year open, it really is no gap between the first customer and when I close now. It's, you know... It's pretty much, I used to have gaps that I could mow and do stuff like mm -hmm. that. But now it's pretty steady, which is nice, you know, yeah. um, to stay steady throughout the day. Of course, the shoulder seasons or the, you know, earlier spring, later fall can be extremely unpredictable. Yeah. You know, right. I can have a really busy Friday, which would in most any other restaurant business or hotel would lead you to believe Saturday is going to be busy. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> No, the not the case. Yeah. And there's so many of us. There's, what, four to 500 to choose from just mm -hmm. in this county or oh, yeah. at least yeah. this region alone. Yes. Um, you know, there's a lot of choices out there. I certainly understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and bigger groups. That's another thing that is starting to occur is um, oh, yeah. people are coming in larger groups where it used to be just couples, maybe two couples. Mm -hmm. Now it's groups of eight, 10, 15, things like that. Is that difficult to handle when you get a, a huge group? And it's a little more challenging for a one-person winery just because, mm -hmm. well obviously the logistics yeah. of it and it's also and i don't mean this in an all in negative but it's also kind of a different crowd than we um experienced um only a few short years ago a few mm -hmm. short years ago it yeah. was everybody was interested in wine doesn't mean they're gonna love your wine that's mm -hmm. you know Right. everybody their own taste but they were at least coming and interested and wanted to learn about your wine to see if they wanted to buy mm -hmm. it now we're getting a new segment called I, I call at least winery tourism and you know no all due respect but they don't really matter if I'm a winery a brewery or distillery yeah so that's a little more challenging yeah. uh, since my job is to describe educate and sell hopefully sell wine you see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, if yeah. if that's not there, so it's I think there's different ways some wineries are dealing with it. With you know maybe some higher tasting fees and mm -hmm. other programs. I try to see those groups and see if they're maybe more interested in just sharing some bottles between the group. Yeah. That way they don't have to listen to my explanation about mm -hmm. every you know pour of wine you know six yeah. times over or whatever yeah. right. and then that frees me up for the people who you know are really wanting to know so I think it works out good for both ways on that yeah. one but it is that's kind of a new aspect in our industry yeah. and that's why you see some wineries more embracing it mm -hmm. and they'll be more like a wine bar you know a beer on tap and charcuterie mm -hmm. plates and open till seven or eight you know yeah. and yeah. great for them that's obviously not something I can do, right. yeah. <laughs> but you know, yeah, it's a different, so different focus and they're yeah. just doing what they can to adapt to, to the changing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I see it as kind of a turning point for us because 
we all, big and small, all kind of operated the same way up until a few years ago. In fact, mm -hmm. you know, here we now have seating everywhere. But it was a few mm -hmm. short years ago, everybody used to just crowd around the bar. Right. Mm -hmm. And trust me, I like this better way where you get to go talk to them more as individual groups than one group that could be at different places in the tasting. Mm -hmm. exactly. So, you know, yeah. it's mm -hmm. good, but again, it's just, you know, always changing, of yeah. course. Uh, do you get a lot of uh, bachelorette parties that come through? I, know that I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that, that's a, a big thing that... They love the rosé. Um, <laughs> and no, um, I don't get the ones that we hear the, um, as I call them, war stories about. Um, <laughs> mine are, you know, pretty nice. and But, you know, you've seen my gravel. It's a half a mile gravel driveway. I just don't get the big stretch limos. Yeah. yeah. And nothing did, there's sense. nothing wrong with any certain vehicle, but the stretch limo has the divider that comes up, right. which then makes it legal to drink between stops. Yeah. And that can add a whole new level to the tasting, yeah. you might say. Yeah. Yeah. Let's admit it, that, 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 that time between wineries is a nice little buffer zone. Yeah. <laughs> you need it to kind of come back down. Yeah, relax. and you take that yeah. away, and it can definitely change the dynamics yeah. of things. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I think that's more the, like when I was at Four Graces, that will be the, a lot of the more bigger places on 99 yeah. seem yeah. to get that. And right. that's, yeah. that's good because yeah. they're better set up, multiple staff to handle right. such a thing. Yeah. yeah. I think here it, it has like a really nice homey feel. Like I feel, I felt comfortable immediately just walking through the doors with the fireplace well, thank you. going. And yeah, that's what we want. There's a lot of different styles to go. There's obviously the very modern, more steel and glass one that I mm -hmm. see and they're very, very nice, you know, but mm -hmm. this is more of, I like it because it's more the, as I call it, the old style of um, uh, Willamette Valley tasting room. Yeah. And if you can tell, I kind of am sticking with that. It's great that other people want to become, like I said, more yeah. wine bars and other things. That's, right. that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Even restaurants to a degree, which I think is good because almost all wine tastes better with food. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, obviously as one person, I know my limitations. Right. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this is the kind of tasting room that we'd eventually like to have with, you know, big open windows that offer in a lot of natural lighting and the rustic feel that you get. And there's a history and a story behind it too. Yeah. And at the very least, just a, you know, you walk in, you feel comfortable, feel welcome. Yeah. Doesn't feel like, you know, you need to put on a face and pretend you know anything about No. Them. Like yeah. when I go into, I don't have many friends like this, but friends that have all white in their house. Now, I am as uncomfortable as can be. I'm just thinking I'm going to, I live on, you know, farm acreage. I'm just thinking I'm going to shed something here. You know, I'm just, so <laughs> I, I think that that's kind of what I think of with this place. It's, it's not the white carpeting and couch. Yeah. It's very hopefully comfortable. If you spill a little something, yeah. it's a concrete floor. Yeah. It's not a big deal, yeah. you know? Um, and I hope that's what people, I, I want them to be comfortable, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, to shift gears a little bit, could you share a little bit of your um, your journey into the wine industry? Sure. It was fairly simple. I um, For years, my main career was horticulture. In fact, you came up King's grade, I take it. Mm -hmm. So off to your right-hand side would have been my former employer, Bailey Nurseries. Okay. Um, so that got me into, you know, the agriculture plant part. And then it just kind of led into after that, I started uh, tending and uh, installing vineyards, um, mm -hmm. planting vineyards, yeah. installs kind of fancy word for it. Like um, it. <laughs> and that just seemed to have led to one thing led to another. And then a little bit of winemaking, you know, some vineyard 
caring for. I wouldn't want to call it management. Chad was the actual manager, but mm -hmm. I did, you know, some vineyard work and yeah. um, got to, uh, you know, um, experience all aspects of this industry except the outside sales, the, okay. you know, the um, distributing. I've, yeah. I've never had anything to do with that aspect of gotcha. it, though. <laughs> yeah. And was there any part of that experience where, um, like, you would go back and do something different, or was it all I don't think so. I think maybe I would have if I had just known more, just like when I started college a long, long time ago, if I'd known more then, mm -hmm. I probably would have focused more on the smaller wineries because it took me a while to kind of work a few and figure out which style I liked. You know, yeah. they're all mm -hmm. good, but there's we all have a, you know fit better somewhere yeah. and I just kind of wish I had realized that a little earlier in my career <laughs> yeah. yeah that's kind of what we're shooting for with our future winery is just to have something that's small and that we both eventually can work at yeah yeah I always wonder some people if you have too much success like I, between those two things I mentioned I took a break and did what I always knew, which was customer service and um, worked for the McMinimins Corporation. Okay. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they've done fabulously well. I always right. got to kind of wonder if the brothers are, look back at the days when they had four or five pubs instead yeah. of, gosh knows, 200 yeah. now. Oh, I have gosh, no yeah. idea, least, you know, I'm but sure. I mean, it's quite an empire, but, yeah. and it's quite a success, obviously, but I always got to wonder if the brothers kind of look back and going, that was kind of nice when we just had a few taverns, you <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, this is more of a selfish question. Sure. For us just starting out, what um, what things would you tell us to look out for? Any kind of mistakes you've seen people make? Any good sage words of advice? Um, well, I think it's a good point is to think everything out very well. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of rash decisions made, and boy, it can take a long time to get a good reputation and it takes so instantly to get rid of it you know yeah. um I, that's one thing i'd say is um i almost seem to have feet of clay sometimes when it comes to making a decision but it's easy to make a decision it's hard to unmake it or unring a bell right. mm -hmm. and the one thing i've noticed is that that's people you know there's nothing wrong with change if provided in a proper manner with enough you know intro to it and everything mm -hmm. but I've had a lot of experience where you know wine is kind of a got its own mystique to it and mm -hmm. um, I would say before you know a start out really plan well know what the image you want is you know mm -hmm. um, that's the really nice thing about the owners here they gave me a real gem and they'd seen me work at other wineries and really let me put to a degree, my thumbprint on it. Still very much Joe and Maureen Longo's winery, of course, mm -hmm. yeah. um, but they've been very good at letting me, you know, trusting me to make my impression on it. Yeah. And of course, how you start out is very important. Yeah. Um, you know, I started off in the way you're talking about fairly, you know, casual, hopefully comfortable, and have kept that thing, you know, mm -hmm. with it. But I, you don't get a chance to do stuff twice a lot of times. Right. And so that's the yeah. one thing I would say, and it's not just from the wine world, it's a few different industries I've worked in, is just, you know, before you do something or undo or redo something or change things, just, mm -hmm. you know, think it out very carefully. Yeah. I've seen the results of what happens when you don't. <laughs> yeah. We've been kind of going back and forth with, you know, uh, buying an established vineyard versus sure. um, planting our own. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that 
there would be any benefit to one or the other? I'm thinking that going your own route would be good. Um, and now I can tell you just if it's okay on tape here, just yeah. because it's public knowledge next door, V Don, um, you know, it's gone now, but you know, a few weeks ago, I think you could have picked that up for somewhere around three, three, three and a quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. okay. You've got established vines, which is nice because even if you plant and of course let, you know, wait to fourth leaf, mm-hmm. you still are going to have juvenile tasting fruit. There's yeah. just, it's going to take you quite a while to be yeah. in a, Deeply rooted productions. Yeah. Yeah. So there's certainly that, you know, and um, even if they change the name, a lot of people know the location of Vidon, but of course you're paying for Don's hard work of getting the place established. Mm So, um, yeah, if, you know, if it's a little more budget conscious, I'd say definitely start your own. Mm -hmm. And then that's kind of nice. You know, um, like building, like I told you, building my rentals, that's the only everything else it's a house i've moved into somebody else lived in built or whatever mm-hmm. it's um kind of nice to have your own stamp on everything yeah you know you had a choice of how to plant the vineyard the clones the varietals the spacing the everything you know yeah. it's kind of nice to have it reflect all of you you know yeah. but then again depending on how busy you are vidon would have been a very nice turnkey gem for a lot of people with yeah. house bottling equipment all the i mean it was mm-hmm. turnkey everything like i said we use a co-op there it's just all inclusive there yeah. <laughs> that is that is kind of the the draw to an established vineyard for us is yeah. be something we could probably come into and one or both of us could be working in you know from the start mm-hmm. and have a cash flow yeah but i think the two of us were leaning more towards like you were saying starting our own from scratch yeah. um, even though it's a lot more work I think it'd be a lot more satisfying to have. It is because, like, the owners are quite busy. uh, You know what they do. I mean, this isn't obviously their. You know, this is too small to support. You know, a lot of people. So they have, of course, their regular jobs. But um, you know, when they bought the land, they're the ones that planted the lower vineyards. Mm -hmm. And I think that to this day, they probably still really enjoy the fact that that's their blood, sweat, and tears, and a little bit of green on top of it, you know, that goes down there. And I like it as a story. It shows that they're involved. It's not just absentee ownership or something Mm -hmm. like that. And I'm sure they feel a lot more a part of it because of that. In fact, most of this was quite organic. This kind of came together with them. And, you know, at some point, we finally had a vineyard management company plant our upper vineyard. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, still, they've they're a part of a lot of this. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. directly involved and not just yeah. kind of signing a check every every week or every month. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise I kind of, and I don't, again, mean this in a negative way, but I call it the genie blank winery where you just, you know, and all of a sudden. And do you appreciate something that you don't have to work and strive for as much as something you do? Yeah. That's why right. I, I would. And it doesn't mean you couldn't buy a small winery and improve upon it and still put your stamp on it. Yeah. But, right. you know. Yeah. But I think there's nothing like starting from scratch yourself yeah. if you've got the time and patience. <laughs> yeah. Now, actually... it might be different at your age than at my age. At my age, I might want a turnkey thing that <laughs> yeah. I don't have to yeah. play, plant and wait four or five years or something, you know. Yeah. Yeah. When we were back home uh, in Placerville, California, we were talking to a couple of our friends that own wineries in the area. And we mentioned that we wanted to start up our own winery and vineyard, and they kind of all just 
laughed. <laughs> yeah. They, they were like, they <laughs> chuckled a bit and then they asked us, are you sure yeah. that's what you want to do? Well, that probably goes back to there's a phrase from ancient Greece, may you inherit, it's not a phrase, it's a curse. May you inherit a vineyard. Um, <laughs> because it is just farming, you know? Yeah. And now, exactly. sorry, this will take a break from the interview part here a little yeah. bit, no, but right. Placerville. Real Northern California, yeah. yep. because when I hear Northern California, most people mean the San Fran area. And oh, I'm yeah. coming. Yeah, I used to live too. in Ashland, Oregon. So to okay. me, Northern California is Wairika, Arcata, Weed, yeah. Placerville, yeah. Right. Happy Camp. Uh, you know, um, all those places. You know, yeah. very northern. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. that's where we're from, and yeah. uh, there's a, a good collection of wineries in that area. Um, mm-hmm. It's very small, though. You know, there's yeah. the, the Fair Play AVA and um, El Dorado. Fair mm-hmm. Play AVA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't keep up anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In fact, it's hard to keep. I don't think I've even kept up really well with the additions to the Oregon AVAs. Oh, oh, yeah. Growing, you know, yeah. every day. So. We've been here going on three years, and I'm still getting a handle on it. So. Yes. <laughs> and, of course, just when you get a handle on it, they'll add another one. Like, exactly. Yeah. I, one time I used to be a officer in a couple different industry groups so at one time and that's just five years ago knew almost every winery and had been to it or something yeah Mm -hmm. these days i don't feel like i know what's going on out there anymore (laughs) you pick up just the kind of the industry map um for you know just the tasting rooms alone Yeah. yeah there's no way in even three or four or five years if you went out every weekend that you'd be able to get to all of them. No. I mean, I had the advantage because at every Thursday morning I was at one or two wineries for the tasting Mm because we have that. It's kind of an industry thing. Mm -hmm. Is there anything either new or old or old that's new again in the industry that you've noticed recently that's really exciting you or has really caught your interest? That's a good question. To be honest, you know, I mean... Trying to categorize winery people is kind of hurting cats because, you know, we're just all over the board out there. Um, No, nothing particularly comes up except my style of, like I said, running the tasting room. I mean, I'm just committed to running an old style tasting room. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm sorry, I don't have charcuterie or beer on tap or don't get me wrong. I think a lot of beer and you've certainly heard the phrase, it takes a lot of beer to make good wine at every winery (laughs) I've been at. So this is nothing against beer. I just kind of... um, You know, so for me, I'm just doubling back on that, you know, old school tasting room where I educate about wine and sell it to you if you like it type of theory. Pretty simple, you know, Uh, but that that's for me. Anything else? Like I said, it's it's really hard to um, make a thumbnail sketch of the industry anymore because of just, you know, so much and all. Going different directions, doing different things. I think it's good, but you know, it does create a little bit of identity crisis because if people have been to winery A, B, and C and they all had a kitchen and a charcuterie plate, right. mm-hmm. guess what? They show up to my door with and think there's something, you know, what? You don't have that? And it's yeah. like, I'd be shocked if I did have it. You know, I'm, <laughs> yeah. the kitchen isn't even finished, to be honest. So it's just as well I'm not yeah. making food up here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But other than that, no, I, um, 
I see uh, just a lot more innovation, just adding more and more things to the mm-hmm. experience, be it from the you know the food or uh, you know just other things for, for beer in case you know as larger groups come, maybe seven out of eight like wine. Well, you're going to have one inpatient imper- person if you yeah. don't have something for them. So yeah. I get why you do it. It's mm-hmm. just not really doesn't yeah. work for me but yeah. it's kind of fascinating to see you know uh, of course vineyard cottages popping up oh, um yeah. you know there's just a lot of more aspects being added on mm-hmm. so i don't find so much of the old as the new now yeah. coming on yeah. Yeah. and of course there's the old and the fact that we make our wine kind of in the traditional way it's always been made and mm-hmm. that part we you know anybody is i think for the most part, hesitant to mess with that side of it. Yeah. We might mess with the, uh, you know, the entertainment side, the, um, you know, the hospitality side of it. Yeah. But I think when it comes to the actual winemaking side, people are pretty, you know, that, yeah. that's like I said, yeah. one of the areas you don't want to be doing great change, right. you know? Yeah. You kind of stick, like you were saying earlier, you stick with what's working, you make some small tweaks to improve yeah. upon it, mm-hmm. but you don't, you know, kind of, cut the nose off to spite the face exactly and i think we're pretty sensitive to that up here you know yeah. um it's been working for us so it's you know yeah. why, why change yeah, exactly <laughs> and an unrelated question um how do you market to like um to your potential buyers like do you do you facebook posts or are you on instagram a lot or how do you no i was just asked to tweet something from one of the owners today I realized that my tweet handle still is Dave Don, Dave, David Don. So it comes out as Dave V. Don, oh, yeah. back right. from V. Don. So yeah. uh, that shows how much I tweet. <laughs> um, it's been five years since I worked there, so okay. I'm going to have to create a new account because that would be a weird one to be tweeting yes. Trisori stuff under. No, yeah. we do Facebook because, gosh, you almost have to these days. Right. You'd mm-hmm. feel guilty if you didn't. Yeah. But I don't think that brings us. I think it's a nice way just to kind of keep up and just kind of say hi to people who haven't visited for a while. But as far as bringing people into the tasting room, um, the big sandwich board signs I put out, to be mm-hmm. honest, that yeah. you know, yep. they're very clear. They're purple and green, and they uh-huh. say open today. Because there's so many blue and white signs, I like to make yes. sure people know it's I'm not just by appointment except for right now, and that's mm-hmm. why I didn't have them out today. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the one that you just can't pay enough money for, you can't pay for, is uh, the word of mouth. Yeah. yeah. That's why I say I'm very careful about things mm-hmm. because I know mm-hmm. that from hearing from just clients, customers, uh, tour group leaders, you know, you go to winery, this certain winery over and over, and everything's great, and then all of a sudden they may have a new person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the experience changes. Uh-huh. And it yep. kinda, whatever the change may be, good or bad in the long run, it ruins it for a certain person. And that right. has a cascading effect. Yeah. So when it comes to that, I'm obviously, you know, obviously quite hesitant to do any big changes. I think yeah. you always have to be looking to, you know, move forward. But mm-hmm. again, I do it yeah. extremely cautiously. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much for sitting well, down thank with you. us. And thank we, you for being our very first interview yeah, ever. <laughs> we really do appreciate it. I don't know what to say. Oh, we would like to thank Dave Walker again for taking some time to sit down with us and talk to us um, and kind of put up with our mediocre interviewing skills. Yeah. Um, and for those of you interested in Tresori Vineyards, maybe planning a visit um, if you're ever in this part of the world, 
You can look them up at tresorivineyards.com. That's T-R-E-S-O-R-I, vineyards.com. They're typically open Thursday through Sunday, 11 to 4. During the winter, they are open by appointment only. I think that's just in January. Yeah, and Um, actually a lot of wineries close down in January just because it's kind of a slow time of the month. Yeah, a lot of smaller wineries do yeah. because there's not nearly as much uh, traffic. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram. Let me take a look at what their Instagram handle is. My phone is being very slow. Sorry, folks. Cut this out, Booker. Um, just Tresori Vineyards, same spelling as the website. Uh, looks like they're fairly active. There's lots of nice pictures there. Uh, <laughs> so you can look them up uh, multiple ways. That is making a sound. Oh, sorry. That was my phone, guys. Obviously still not quite super professional. Um, So in the future, you can expect more interviews from from us. Yeah. From other, well, via other interesting people in the industry. Yeah. And if you follow our Instagram, then you already know this. But um, we've been kind of brainstorming some episode ideas and have some in the works, which is really exciting. Uh, one idea that we have is to kind of walk you guys through how to just do a wine tasting. Like yeah. a lot of and my the, friends. The do's and don'ts. Um, there's yeah. not many don'ts other than just kind of be polite. But as Danielle has told me, some of her friends have asked her, you know, what do I do when I go? Because it's it can be kind of daunting. Yeah, a little bit intimidating. I think there's just this idea around wine tasting that it's like a a snobby thing to do which is totally not it's just you know going Mm -hmm. into a winery and deciding whether or not you like their wines Mm -hmm. and i think as dave probably mentioned in this episode a lot of the people who do end up buying wine when they come into the the tasting room aren't the people who are putting on a big show and acting all snobby it's the people who come in are looking for something they like and hopefully they they find it at the place yeah. so if that's what you're coming in at that's what these people in these tasting room tasting rooms should be you know looking for is people yeah, who just want to come in to learn but we'll get way more into detail um, with that in the future yeah. Um, we also would like to do a wine or ag crimes episode. Oh, yeah. Um, not to hitch our wagon to the whole true crime thing, but we just think it's fun. Well, with some interesting stories. And because I work in the forensic industry, yes. this podcast would not be complete without any kind of like crime investigation stuff. So Yeah. Um, and also we are thinking of getting some friends together, tasting some wines, shooting the breeze, just talking about some industry stuff. Or just, you know, general things and hopefully making a fun episode. But we've got lots of things in the works. Yeah. Oh, one more thing that I was just thinking about that we should do is maybe an episode where we go through, like, how to pair wines with food. So when somebody's like, hey, can you bring a bottle of wine to a party? Then you're not just, like, standing in the wine aisle just like, uh, Uh, Just bring some champagne. It goes with everything. (laughs) Champagne does. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But, yeah, well... um, We'll be hopefully being a bit more creative and more adventurous and bringing you a lot of interesting stuff in the future. Yeah. Uh, alongside our regular updates with where we're at with our journey. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, things are kind of slow. We're still working through some of the small stuff, but we'll keep you guys updated. Um, not necessarily with only interesting things, but we'll keep you 
um, up to date with all of our activities. Yeah. So if you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at Voyage to First Vintage and on Twitter at Voyage underscore first. Yep. And we have um, a Facebook oh, page we now. We do. We have a Facebook page, guys. Yep. Um, so, yeah, just search Voyage to First Vintage. It's up on there. Um, yep. And if you need a place to listen to this podcast, hopefully, hopefully you've already found where to listen to this podcast. If, if you're, you're listening to it, you found it. But <laughs> if you want other places to find it. Yep. We are on, on Google Google Play, Google Play, Apple yep. Podcasts slash iTunes, um, Stitcher. Stitcher, Spotify. Uh-huh. Oh yeah! Um, if we get onto anything else, we'll let you guys know. Woo-hoo. Um, we also have a Patreon page. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't necessarily expect you to want to send us money because we're still figuring things out. But yeah. if you'd like to support us, we have levels from two dollars all the way up to some crazy stuff just for fun per month. That's per two dollars a month. Yeah, per month. But that will include lots of fun little extras if yeah. you do want to support us. Yeah, and if, those little extras will um, will be adding to those as this podcast progresses. Like mm-hmm. at some point, I would love to be able to create like a vinyl sticker to send some of our patrons. Yeah, patrons, patrons. I don't patrons. know what they're called. I don't know. We're okay. still new to this, um, but yeah, everything will start evolving as we start to find our feet figure out what you guys like, figure out what we're really good at in this medium. Yeah. Um, and hopefully you guys can stick around on this voyage with us. Yeah. We appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Oh, i got to hit stop.